Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Growing up, my dad used to take me to the game at the stadium. We'd watch our favorite team play, and then we'd always eat at Zaxby's. That's why it means so much to me that Zaxby's is the official chicken of college fans. To me, they go together perfectly. It reminds me of my dad and... Oh, come on, Rep! Are you serious? Get some glasses! Terrible call! Now, I take my kids to the game, and we always eat at Zaxby's, too. It's tradition. We're proud to be the official chicken of college fans. Zaxby's, indescribably good. The following is a live production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Fire up the grills and turn up the volume. Welcome to Warchant Game Day, presented by Zaxby's of Tallahassee. He is off, one man to beat, cuts it back. He landed on somebody! They're going to say touchdown. Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang bring you the latest news, updates, and analysis around the FSU program ahead of today's kickoff on Bobby Bowden Field. I know what this game means. And if you don't get up for this one, then go somewhere else. Go do something else because it is not for you. This is why you play. Tallahassee Game Day is brought to you by Zaxby's, the official chicken of sports fans. Your Tallahassee Zaxby's, a proud Golden Chief booster for 17 years. Go Dolls! Now live and worldwide on Warchant TV, here is Warchant Game Day. Welcome into Warchant Game Day, brought to you by Zaxby's, live from Hotel Indigo, and it's the start of another Florida State football season. Great to be with you. I'm Jeff Cameron alongside Tom Lang and a host of others atop Hotel Indigo as we are all set for football. I know the long wait has been at times interminable, but it is finally here. Florida State Duquesne today at five. So we'll give you the lowdown here as we are at Hotel Indigo, as I noted. You can come in, come upstairs, seventh floor, and join us and have fun here. The atmosphere will be great as we continue to build towards game time. There's food, there are drinks, there is an incredible view behind me. If you're watching right now on Warchant TV, welcome in. Thanks for doing so. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good, sir. You ready for another football season? Good to be with you again. Good to be with you. It was uh, 13 short years ago that we were on the green uh, for an AM dial station, and here we are again. First time atop Hotel Indigo. How much this town has changed in that time? Yeah, A lot of Knowles here who have uh, not been around and sometimes said that today. Wow, unbelievable. It, it, the transformation of Florida State College Town, this whole area, and really the university as a whole, it's unrecognizable from when I was in school all those many years ago now. Uh, and, and admittedly, yeah. it's uh, it's awesome. And this is a posh setup for us, huh? It is. To be yeah. atop the Hotel Indigo, and we want to thank our 
our friends at Zaxby's, of course, for sponsoring really almost everything we do, quite frankly. <laughs> and uh, that's a that's a wonderful luxury to have as uh, the support is greatly appreciated both by the people here and, of course, all of our corporate sponsors. So good times. Florida State looks to get off to a better start than they have in a number of openers. I hate to go ahead and take you down memory lane. It hasn't been pretty. I think today will. I think today will change a trend. Obviously, that trend goes back to, can you name the score the last time Florida State won uh, its home opener here? Its home opener? Uh, 59 to 3. 59 to 16. Good guess. That was uh, against in 2016 against Texas State. How many remember that? Oh, yeah. It's been a bunch of losses since. Obviously, we we ended up playing Alabama, losing 24 to 7 the following year. Thus began the uh, decline 2018 lost 24 to three to Virginia Tech 2019 36 31 to Boise State in a game in which Florida State had a huge lead and oddly enough got tired in the heat but Boise didn't uh, then it was 2020 Georgia Tech 16 13 last year in overtime 41 38 to Notre Dame fun game to be at unfortunately didn't go the Knowles way today figures to go the Knowles way against Duquesne if it doesn't we should maybe never come to another game <laughs> today, if today doesn't, yeah, that's yeah. right. Against Duquesne, yeah. If today doesn't, that will be the most salty post-game show and in-game uh, show on War Chant TV you've ever seen. Uh, but uh, yeah, despondent with it'll it's be not nice. going to happen, buddy. Not going to happen. That Ole Miss game was forever ago. Mm. You're talking about openers that ended with a smile on your face. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And even then, the first half didn't go very well. So yes, it's nice to get on the right track. Hopefully, everything goes on schedule today according to plan. You're looking for everybody to stay healthy. You're looking for a clean football game, one in which you see a lot of the freshmen backups in uh, in play in the second half, and then it's all about getting ready to go down Bourbon Street and make it happen against LSU. So that's what today is about. Florida State doesn't often play games in August, but they have obviously in their history, and the Knowles are 11 and one all time in the month of August. Just so you know, that is a robust 9.17 win percentage. So Florida State has been very successful when playing in August. And uh, all-time, obviously, been very successful in their season openers at home. Stretch of home openers, uh, obviously, dating back a long time now. But uh, I figure they'll add to the ledger today. Really, what this is about is Florida State, not Duquesne. No disrespect to our friends coming in from Pittsburgh. But the truth is, Florida State's a team that has rebuilt the roster. They've invested financially as well in the product. Uh, Great article on Warchant.com. If you haven't read it yet, Ira Chaffel documenting uh, the amount of money put in uh, by this university. Mike Alford has been very open and honest with his dialogue amongst boosters, alumni, fans of any kind, uh, saying we understand how important it is for football to be great. Uh, The president and I are aligned in our efforts to get Florida State back to where they belong. They believe it is the economic engine, obviously, that helps fuel the university, and they're not wrong, in my opinion. Florida State needs to find a way in an ever-changing climate to put themselves front and center before the college football world, which is changing on a daily basis. Obviously, ESPN, Fox, and others have their investments in a couple of other conferences not named the ACC. You want to be in the best possible position to perhaps garner a look. Yeah, that's the thing. All offseason, it's about the future and where is Florida State going and where is the the revenue going to come from? And is it going to be close enough to our rivals, especially regional rivals, that we can stay in the conversation as a power program? The thing that about that conversation is it's critical to the future of the university for the next decade plus. But the thing I'm happy about today is now we talk about the now. We talk about today. We talk about 12 games in front of us. Yeah. How many can you win to flip the hearts and minds of high school kids across the country, high profile transfers across the country to make this thing happen quicker? Get to a place on the football field that makes your product more uh, attractive. You're also 
quite frankly, uh, trying to impress a lot of boosters that have reservations about how much they should give at this time. Is this the guy? Long term, is Mike Ravel going to be the head football coach? We all want that to be the case. We'd like Mike to succeed. Who doesn't? But this is a a zero-sum situation. It's pretty easy to figure out what the deal is. You either win or you don't. And if you don't, obviously, then fans will will demand a change and clamor for a change. We're not there right now. We're at a place right now where he's got an opportunity to cement his place here where Florida State fans uh, will, in fact, uh, part with their money, support the program, sell this place out again, and get it back to kicking the way it once did with Florida State being one of the preeminent programs in all college football. And today, obviously, a small step if you beat Duquesne. But it is, again, an opportunity to look at a roster that we saw. We went to all of the practices. We mm-hmm. saw this team throughout camp. We went to both spring and fall practices. And Mike Marvell is very good and open about doing that, allowing the media, the assembled media, to come to all these practices and write about his program. I think it speaks to the confidence he has and his methodologies, and his system, and the vision that he's created for these players and his program and these coaches. And he wants us to document it. He wants us to talk about the climb, as it's called here in Tallahassee, and as he talks about it with his players. He wants everybody to see what they're doing. He's very transparent because he believes in it. I, for one, find that refreshing. Very few coaches, even if they do have a plan and do believe in it, want you to be around to document it. He's the opposite of that. Yeah, I want to thank Austin first. Uh, all the people in the chat, thank you for interacting. Send us your questions. We'll get to them as we can. It's a very busy show today. We've yeah. got uh, Irish Rafael coming up in just a few moments. But Austin, uh, first contribution of the year on the pregame show. He just says, do what is expected of you and don't get hurt. I agree. Thank you, Austin. Yeah, it's a business uh, trip, if you will. Less than yeah. a trip, it's backyard. But, but yeah, you, you got to go out and focus, take care of business, and, and move forward. To the point about Mike Norvell, uh, referenced this yesterday on the wildly popular Jeff Cameron show, which you can find here on War Chant TV, weekdays at 1 o'clock. Uh, when we were up in Charlotte for ACC kickoff, covering it for Warchant.com, there was a time they set aside for the local media to speak with Mike, and it wasn't formal. He sat down in a chair like everybody's doing right now at Hotel Indigo, and he spoke honestly and shot from the hip. And the one thing he talked about was, if you want to build something to last, it's going to take some time. If we try to cut corners with how – he didn't say this – with how broken it was, if you wanted to cut corners – then it wasn't going to be built to last. And maybe you could have gotten to eight or nine wins quicker, but the culture wouldn't have been flipped. Now the question is that the culture has been flipped and the cancers are out of the program. What can you do with it? Can you win enough games to get an extension and so your rivals can't recruit against you and say, he's a short timer. Don't go to Tallahassee. They're going to replace their coach again. You want to be able to answer those questions on the field this year. He's a guy, too, that has not only, I think, repeatedly echoed what you just said to anybody who will listen about establishing a culture, but also his team, he is very confident in. He's a guy that has talked about, he thinks they're ready to take that step because they didn't cut corners like you mentioned. And he's talked about how proud he is of these guys, the ones who stayed behind and worked hard in the face of all of that adversity. Also how proud he is of the guys that said yes and believed and took a leap of faith and came here to play for him. Now he's able to point to their successes, especially in the transfer portal. And there will be a lot of guys out there today that they brought in from the transfer portal to add to those high school uh, core players. And and it's a group that has helped the Florida State immeasurably. We know that the record hasn't been what it should be, but we also know if Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas and players like that hadn't said yes to Mike Norvell, things could have been even worse. So by being able to point to players who took the leap of faith, that I mentioned, he is able to sell this program year in and year out, not just to high school kids, but also the others that can come in and have an immediate impact today. We expect to see uh, a good bit of the starting lineup uh, yeah. be players that transferred in. I know? look forward to having the formal and informal conversation almost on a player-by-player basis today. That's one thing we can do 
Um, but their hit rate on their evaluations has been really high, and it has to be. When, when you're not going to bring home four- and five-star players left and right just because you're winning 10 games a year and uh, the iconic brand, as Mike Morvell points yeah, It's not recruiting itself yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then you've got to be very judicious when you go to the transfer portal and with the kids that you recruit from high school. You've got to hit on them. And what we've seen in spring camp from the early enrollees and fall camp from all the kids that have arrived now, these players, either from the transfer portal or the high school ranks, look like they're tracking well. Yeah. I don't see many busts out there. Now, the question is, how many of these kids will have that translate onto the field? The transfers will sooner than the high school kids, but you might see some of both today. That's the goal. I think you should see much of this roster. Remember, some years back, they changed the rules in college football where you don't have to fret as much about how much game time a freshman gets, a true yeah. freshman gets, if you're worried about losing that eligibility and you'd like to redshirt them. You can play in four games and it, you know, play away. I mean, and this would be a game that I would think a lot of guys should have an opportunity to take the field today if, in fact, Florida State does take care of business. They did come out with the projected depth chart versus Duquesne, and for people out of town or perhaps didn't see it, we should mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. gloss over that. As you mentioned at 220, uh, Ira Chappelle from Warchant.com will, in fact, join us and get his thoughts on camp and what he expects to see this season. But in the interim, let's really quickly go through this starting lineup. Obviously, Jordan Travis, your starting quarterback, a lot of pressure on Jordan Travis coming into this season. Mike tabbed him as his guy. There were questions going into spring. Would you think about bringing somebody else in just in case, as Jordan Travis has unfortunately had a bit of an injury trouble. Now he is an elite runner and a unique talent. Uh, he's got to improve as a passer. That's what we hope to see this year. Yeah. Uh, but did you think, well, maybe you should bring somebody else in that's had success throwing the football in case Jordan Travis goes down or somebody else who could run the same sort of offense that he could if you wanted to. He said no. He said, no, Jordan's my guy. I feel good about it. I feel good about the development of Tate Rodemaker. Obviously, they recruited A.J. Duffy. They like that he's on track now, a ways away from starting or anything like that, but they like the way he's tracking as well. That's a bet. That's a gamble. That's yeah. pushing your chips in and saying Jordan's my man. Now, what that does for Jordan Travis, obviously, is allow for an entire camp, two camps, frankly, in which he doesn't have to look over his shoulder. Last year at this time, he was a guy that was constantly looking over his shoulder as obviously Milton was going to be a player that a lot of Florida State fans wanted to to see play. And so it was probably a situation where he felt uh, that he was not as invested in and that the coaching staff did not have as much confidence in him as he would have liked. And, of course, if you're Jordan, you've been doubted everywhere you've been. So that had to hurt, right? And I think it showed in the way that he practiced and the way that he prepared. This has been an entirely different camp for him, knowing that he had to be the leader as the one tab to ultimately be the guy. Yeah, what was interesting is last year he said at the ACC kickoff that he was close to quitting the game because of the experience he had at Louisville, because of the experience he had initially at Florida State. But it was Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham at the time that convinced him to keep going. And now a year later, he was in the same seat in the same room, one year apart, at ACC kickoff. The first time, Mackenzie Milton was across the hallway. Want to guess which scrum was bigger of media members at that table? Mackenzie's. This year, it was all around Jordan. And you can see it in the body language. He knows it's his team, the way he carries himself, drill to drill in practice. He's not the most outgoing leader. He's more of a, a, I'll show you by example type. And yet he's gone that extra mile more than once we've seen in camp where he'll pull players aside, communicate with them. So he's taken the mantle. We'll just see if the Saturday performance can match that to a point where maybe some national talking heads take notice of who Jordan Travis is. Great moment for Jordan in camp that I witnessed five feet in front of me. Micah Pittman was having a rough day of practice, and it's pretty rare that Micah Pittman, the new receiver from Oregon that transferred in, had a rough day of practice. He's usually very consistent. 
On this particular day, he was dropping several passes, and he was very mad at himself after I think it was his third drop, and he came over and he slammed his helmet down. He was just disgusted with himself because he's a perfectionist. We've learned that pretty quickly. And he uttered some profanity, profanities I can't say here. Uh, and Jordan Travis saw it out of the corner of his eye. He was on the field getting ready for his next rep. He ran off the field to go over to him and pick up Michael Pittman and say, you got to forget about it. We need you. Get back in line. Let's go. Yeah. And I just thought that was a good example of how far he'd come in, in the way of leadership. Because you're right, he's not real vocal. But when he saw opportunities to lead in that way, he did so. At running back, Treshawn Ward, we all saw him a year ago. I think most people are very excited about some of the other guys like Lawrence Taylor-Feely, like Rodney Hill. But Trey Benson really has been the name that has created the most amount of buzz. He's also a transfer from Oregon and a guy that, frankly, has the requisite size and speed to have a huge impact on this backfield. Guys, Trey Benson was a star in camp to the point where I'm, I'm kind of giddy to see what he can do when he, but he looks like an NFL running back. And so the question mark with him, why he was available, had a devastating knee injury. A lot of people never thought he could get back to full strength, what he was coming out of high school. He's running better times than he's ever run before, and he said he's ready to go. Yeah, my favorite thing about Trey was when he came to Florida State, they do a newcomer's interview series, and he said, I can't wait to hit somebody. Okay. Yeah. A running back who says yeah. he can't wait to hit somebody. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. With that zero to 60 speed that he's flashed in spring and fall <laughs> camp. All right. Well, when he hits somebody, they're likely going to go over. They're going to fall over. I look forward to seeing that this year. And the zero to 60 that we're talking about, he's can't fast. wait for folks. Hopefully you see it today. Hopefully you see it in a few hours. Yeah. So that's a running back room. Everybody feels, I think, very good about. Now, a wide receiver, this was a receiving core a year ago that did not play well at all. That's putting it mildly. This was not a very talented group. So they sought to upgrade, raise the floor there. They did also in the transfer room, uh, transfer portal. And, and there's a few guys we can talk about. And I want to leave, leave some wiggle room for Ira here as well. But I, yeah. I'll tell you right now. Most of us were wowed by the camp, the fall camp that Johnny Wilson had a lot better than the spring camp. He became more consistent. He's a six, seven guy that is going to be able to do a lot of things. I think in terms of just being able to position his body and make plays in the middle of the field, but also perhaps some shot plays. Well, and like you guaranteed, he's going to be better than Calvin Benjamin, right? Oh, no, I did not guarantee that. Yeah, you did. There's somebody you'll be working with later this afternoon who guaranteed that. And I'll let you guys sort that out. Although I did talk to Dominic. Robinson about that um, offensive lines a lot deeper. I think we should yep. go there and just talk mm-hmm. about how this is a group that has lacked depth. Frankly, they didn't have a lot of frontline talent, but the five starters they had, if those guys got injured a year ago, you really were taking a huge step back and Florida state was kind of hamstrung going into a lot of games last season because the offensive line, like it was the year before, like it was the year before, like it was the year <laughs> before was not where it needed to be. I'm not telling you this is an elite group up front. I'm telling you they're at least league average with real depth. And that is the news of camp to me. That's been the news of the offseason. Yeah, I fully agree in the interior, especially. That's where they got depth. Multiple players. I mean, in fact, you've lost Caden Lyles for the season. That's unfortunate. Maurice Smith is not on the two deep. What can you infer from that? He's not playing today for sure. You're right. So you've lost two centers in the span of about two weeks time in practice, which is just, I mean, are you kidding me? Hands to this guy. Last year, that might have been season over. Right then, right there. This year, not the case. Now, they need to stay healthy at tackle, but I like the interior depth-wise. Later in the show. Sorry, one more thing. The future of the offensive line. Oh, very good. It's in real good shape. Yeah, no, I understand why you wanted to get that in there. I completely agree. Later in the show, we'll go through this defense. We'll talk about the two deep there. Some guys we're excited about as well. But we do want to step aside just for a moment. Pre-game, post-game, no game at all. Any time is the right time for Zaxby's Platters, just as long as you're hungry. Feed your team with your choice of traditional or buffalo fingers or boneless or traditional wings. If you're having trouble deciding, get the best of both worlds with a sampler platter. 
And don't forget that world-famous sauce. Satisfy your chicken craving with Zaxby's platters. Or online or on the app, your Tallahassee Zaxby's, a proud Golden Chief booster for 17 years. Go Knowles. More of the Warchant.com game day show. Growing up, my dad used to take me to the game at the stadium. We'd watch our favorite team play, and then we'd always eat at Zaxby's. That's why it means so much to me that Zaxby's is the official chicken of college fans. To me, they go together perfectly. It reminds me of my dad and... Oh, come on, Rap! Are you serious? Get some glasses! Terrible call! Now, I take my kids to the game, and we always eat at Zaxby's, too. It's tradition. We're proud to be the official chicken of college fans. Zaxby's, indescribably good. Welcome back. War Chant Game Day here atop Hotel Indigo, brought to you by our friends at Zaxby's. Good to be with you. Turn to my left, I see my man, Ira Chaffel, managing editor, warchant.com. And Ira, before I bring you in here, let me read something for the folks here and the folks watching at home. Because uh, I think I think it's an exciting time, I think, for Florida State fans as they feel a little bit of buzz and a shift in towards uh, positive things happening with the program and the commitment to football. This is a quote. We are going to make a substantial investment in that program in personnel. Alfred told Warchant.com in an article that Ira wrote, exclusive interview. Making that investment just helps the program. It helps the student athletes. It helps put us on par with the other programs and what the other programs are doing. According to an industry source, Florida State's $2 million investment on support staff in 2021 had the Knowles just outside the top 20 nationally in that area. By spending closer to $4 million, the Knowles would have been right there near the top 10. It's not known how much other schools are ramping it up, but we do know that Florida State has given a lot of support to Mike Norvell now, and they have expanded that staff on and off the field raises for the personnel on the field, obviously. They understand, and I think you get this sense in multiple interviews you've done, either with the university president or the athletic director, that football is the driving economic engine. It's time to make sure Florida State puts its best foot forward. Yeah, I think a a lot of fans probably feel like, well, what took you so long? Uh, But I think it's a combination of things. You had a program the last few years that was in a state of flux. When Jimbo Fisher left, you brought in a new uh, regime, Willie Taggart. I think early on they, they felt that that probably wasn't going to be real successful. So I don't think they wanted to invest a ton there. Then Mike Norvell comes in. Now you have a new administration at the university. Michael Alford's the new athletic director, a new president, new board of trustees chair. And I think when you look at the landscape of college sports, everybody sees what's happening with the SEC and the Big Ten. And there's probably going to be some shuffling of conferences. And I think Florida State clearly wants to make sure that they're in the conversation when some of these other conferences look to expand again. And so they are making that investment. As you said, last year, they spent about $2 million in support staff. And that's not the coaches. They, the, the coaches' salaries are about $6 million when you factor in Mike Norvell and his uh, 10 assistant coaches, which is one of the top probably 10 or 15 coaching staff salaries in the country. The support staff has been lacking. Clemson and Alabama spend over $5 million a year in support staff in terms of analysts and recruiting scouts and all these other positions. Florida State's now up their game from $2 million last year to almost $4 million this year. It's a big investment, and, and, it, and it's, again, a sign of Florida State's commitment to football. Yeah, Nick Saban began the process at Alabama where he had an open checkbook and was able to bring in uh, former coaches. We saw it became a halfway house for fired coaches uh, on the Alabama staff, and they would come in and they were able to break down film and do those sorts of things. And then others caught on realizing what an advantage it is. And as they expanded, Florida State hadn't yet. So it's exciting to hear that news that they have now obviously throw their hat in the ring with an opportunity to compete at the highest levels. You and I were at Camp Ira. You've been really bullish on the improvements you've seen with this team. And we talk about it a lot on things like Seminole Headlines. And certainly you write in your articles on Warchant.com. And when you're on Wake Up Warchant, I'm just curious, 
What are you most excited to see today in this, the home opener? I think the biggest thing I want to see is Jordan Travis making plays from the pocket. You know, they've made a lot of uh, efforts this offseason to improve the receiving core. They brought in several transfers who we're pretty excited about. The offensive line, they brought in several transfers there as well. We know what Jordan Travis can do as a runner. Everybody knows that. We know what Jordan Travis can do when he's on the move and throwing. He's shown he has an ability to do that. But the plays from the pocket, the dimension that will add to the offense, that's kind of the missing piece. We know that the running backs are solid. They're going to run the ball well. He can be very dangerous outside the pocket. I want to see him against an overmatched team, stay in the pocket, trust his pocket, make those plays to the receivers. That, to me, would be a good sign. That doesn't mean he's going to be able to do it against LSU one week later, <laughs> but it's, it would be a positive sign because if he can't do it in a game like this, then it gives you concern that he definitely won't be able to do it in the later games. I thought throughout camp and really all the post-practice interviews and even the lead-up to this week, Mike Norvell seems very confident. He's smart. He chooses his words very carefully. He's careful not to suggest that there's something they aren't, those kinds of things. And everybody should do that in almost every walk of life, but he does a very good job with it. That said, I think he likes this team a lot. I think he feels like they've put in the work. I think he feels like they deserve success. They've earned it. And he's he wants it for him. I, you can tell he wants it for him. Now, he knows it's important for him, too, but he, he really does care about the work the kids have done. Well, and the nice thing is when you talk to people around the program, this is when the cameras aren't on, aren't on but when you're on the sides talking yeah. to support staff and different departments in the athletic department, they're saying the same things, that this is a team that has really bought in they have come together. They're all working together for a common purpose. They're working hard. They're working extra. They're going out by their by themselves to work on things, even when the coaches aren't around. Now, again, does that necessarily mean they're back to where they need to be? No, but but it's it's a good first step. This is again, this is the first time really in probably six seven years I would say where Florida State the the vibe around the program is that there's a, a real strong connection between the players and the coaches, and they're all on the same page, and that's a good step. When we would get ready for openers in the past, to your point, it was sort of like, well, maybe, maybe this will work. If this works, they get a bounce here. This kid raises his level, whatever it might be. To have that kind of chatter on the sidelines while we're at practice, to hear the people that work in the athletic department be excited, it really is. It's been over half a decade since we've heard any of that. There were always a dour sort of feeling like maybe we'll win in spite of the fact, right? But that's different now because – of the implementation of a vision and the way that Mike wants to run this program. And I think that this is something now that you've got the weight of that athletic staff and everybody that's part of that pulling in the same direction. Tom and I were talking about that earlier. If there, if there is a weakness on this team though, I am curious, uh, what is it that you think is glaring? What is it you think that they're going to have to overcome in order to have the kind of season uh, that we all want to see them have based on the hard work they put in? Yeah, I don't know if they have a glaring weakness. That's what I think about this team is I think for the most part, they've fixed, they've, they've fixed a lot of the concerns you had coming into this season. They did improve the offensive line. They did improve wide receiver. They did improve linebacker. So I think they've gotten all those up to a higher standard. If there's one thing I really want to see, and, and maybe we'll see it some today, is the defensive ends because that obviously was the biggest question mark coming out of last season. You lose Jermaine Johnson, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. You lose Keir Thomas. You're replacing them with some guys who are, who've gotten older and you expect more from them. And you also brought in a big-time transfer in Jared Verse. But he's a guy that's never played on this stage. He, he came from an FCS school, all the talent in the world, six foot four, 250 pounds, can run like the wind. He races Jordan Travis sometimes in practice. Yeah. I mean, he's an extremely athletic guy, but we haven't really seen him do it in games yet. So that, to me, is, is the big question. But when I say I don't see any glaring weaknesses, that doesn't mean they're all – 
check pluses in these other areas. Yeah, just because there's nothing that's an obvious hole to fill. Right, right. Yeah, and and I think that's a good point because last year going into the season, we talk about the differences between last year and this year. And we got a fire alarm going off here. (laughs) But if you think about when that happened, you know, you went into the season, you're like, well, if they have any injuries here, it's going to be a problem. If they have any injuries there, it's going to be a problem. They can withstand some things this year because they've done a good job of finding replacement players and recruiting the area. I think we should probably take a step away for a moment here while they're doing that. Yeah. Oh, they got it. Just like that. Top notch here at Hotel Indigo. You know what it is? It's the food, the grilling all around us that smells delicious while we're sitting here. If you're not uh, here, you should be. Hotel Indigo, top floor, seventh floor. Step in. Take that elevator on up. You'll find a bunch of Knowles out here. Watching uh, watching the pregame show on Warchant TV and Warchant.com. Irish Chappelle, my guest right now. You're getting set to walk over uh, and, and and document this game and the post game. And this should be an interesting season. We'll both be up at LSU. Uh, I should say New Orleans for the LSU game. Uh, we're really excited about that. I think that for Florida State, that difference. You're right. They're not elite yet, but they're good enough to win the 50-50 games they were losing so many of last year. That's really the point here. When we go ahead and look at the schedule and project. You got a lot of games, Ira, seven or eight maybe, that are one-score spreads. It's exciting. When you have a schedule like that, you really realize that it's volatile. They could go nine and three, but they could go six and six. And I think the thing that to remember, and, and a lot of the people that are reading sites like Warchant constantly or paying close attention to the roster and all the changes, they're aware that this is a very different-looking team. But if you haven't paid close attention, a lot of people – just show up for the games or watch the games, with them, but they don't really pay that close attention. This is a very different team from a personnel standpoint on the offensive side of the ball. This offensive line is going to have three new starters on it compared to what you saw a year ago. The left side still the same, but center to right tackle is going to be three new guys. The wide receiving core, there's a chance that every wide receiver that starts in this game could be brand new wide receivers, those transfers who came in. When you look at running back, Trey Benson came in from Oregon, a big-time running back talent. So this team – Again, offense was the big problem for this team last year, especially once the defense settled down. This offense is going to look a whole lot different, and now it may not click from day one. We'll see. But but that, to me, is important to remember. Don't expect this to be the same exact team you saw last year, just a year older. They brought in a whole lot of new per- personnel on offense. And they had to because it really was a weakness, and I think it's a group that was going to do things differently than a lot of teams in the ACC. That's actually kind of fun to think about, too. Defenses are going to have to – really deal with, well, first of all, Jordan's legs, which are elite, a deep running back core, a bigger, stronger, deeper offensive line. I think Florida State will predicate most of what they want to do on the run. They're better at passing. They're better at wide receivers. So when they do decide to pull the trigger after having set it up, they have a lot of plays off those runs to the outside. I think you'll see some pretty exciting developing plays where you're in the stadium, you see it. We've run this play to the left side of the left side of the left side. Boom, shot play. He does a great job of developing that. He now has a couple of guys that can go do something about it. And Jordan has to hit those throws. When you talk about what we're looking for to see, I mean, those opportunities are going to be there, and Jordan has to hit those throws. A year ago, two years ago, the receivers they were sending out there, it was a very small margin for error. And so it was kind of understandable when they didn't connect on those. Yeah. When you're throwing 6'7", Johnny Wilson out there, and 6'4", Malik McLean, and 6'3", Deuce Span, and these bigger targets, you have to give them a chance to make the play. You can't airmail it. You can't throw it over the wrong shoulder. Jordan has to hit those plays because those are going to be there to be made. Ira, always appreciate it, brother. Can't wait to see you inside for the home opener here against Duquesne. I had a chance to sit and talk with Jeff Colhane, the new announcer, play-by-play voice for Florida State football and sports in general. 
You'll hear that interview next as we continue on Warchant Game Day, brought to you by Zaxby's here from Hotel Indigo. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Warchant Game Day brought to you by our friends at Zaxby's as we are live here at Hotel Indigo at the rooftop. Come on on by and say hello and welcome back football with us, won't you please? Seventh floor, Hotel Indigo. If you're making your way over to Tailgate, obviously, that's where we're located. We'll be here until uh, 4 o'clock and get you all set. We've got a lot, a, lot of, a lot of pregame still to go here, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's take care of some business here very quickly. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate your support of what we do. Uh, what are Big Daddy's plays? I just showed Tom Lang one <laughs> during did, the yeah. break. A uh, sizable play. Yeah, that's a fun play. I'll get to that one in a bit. It's a little par away for you there, Bob. I'm all taking right. a taking yeah. a get a chance out there. Uh, Bo, thank you so much. It's awfully kind of you as well. He mentions that we're crushing it right now. Well, we appreciate you supporting us, watching it, listening to it. And really all the stuff we've done since I've joined War Chant and Tom joined War Chant and the crew that was already here. It's been one big family. I think we're just now hitting our stride, getting excited about the things that we're able to do. We're only able to do that because of the support we have here, support of our sponsors, support of you listening at home, watching on War Chant TV. I'm sincere when I say to you, thank you very, very yeah. much. Michael, thank you as well. So we'll go back and make sure we told everybody thanks that uh, – have said nice things to us there in the chat. If you have a question, fire away. We'll try to get to it in time. It is a busy show today. I do want to make a move and shift here, Tom, to who's hot, who's cold. It's brought to you by Barano Heating and Air Conditioning. Turn to the experts at Barano Heating and Air Conditioning to make your home and fan cave the ideal temperature today online at barinoac.com. You want to start with the cold, and we'll go to the hot. I'll tell you why. The players have had a great camp, and we've documented that and talked about that. Obviously, some guys have played better than others, and we don't want to be cruel here. We don't know. We haven't seen a game yet this year, but any of the guys that are not able to play that we expected to play a significant role this year that unfortunately got injured, and that's nobody's fault. People get hurt. It's a game of football. It's a contact game. But a guy like Caden Lyles would fall into the cold because we expected he would be a player of significant value to Florida State's offensive line this year. We now know. He's lost for the season. We wish him nothing but the best. I hope he gets better. Hope he's able to contribute if he wants to come back next year. Uh, but unfortunately, he's it. He's out. He's cold for Berno. Who's hot? Who's cold? Yeah, I mean, again, if you just want to stick to a specific position, center, and, and that's the one that it's got to prove it over the next couple of weeks, over the next three games. And yeah. Darius Washington being the starter, Thomas Schrader is going to be the first reserve. They've been working other guys there. Mike Orbella said that at practice, so we're allowed to bring that up. But it'll be interesting to see if there are more than two different offensive linemen playing center today. How do they look? And then if everything's hunky-dory, we talked about this in our preview segment earlier in the week from Hotel Indigo. Even if things look good snapping-wise today, that doesn't prove anything quite yet. Because when you have a defensive lineman, an interior defensive lineman from LSU lining up across from you, it's a different deal when you're a center. you got to get that snap off, and it's got to be incredibly efficient because there's an NFL defensive lineman bearing down on you. So we'll see how those things shake out over the next two to three games, but it is critical that center play gets better and injury is what's holding it back. That's why it's cold. Well, let's bring up the fact you brought it up just now, but I want to reiterate what you had to say. There is Washington might be the key to the entirety of the season. Yeah. I mean, we don't know when Maurice Smith is going to come back. We hope that he will. We just do not know. And they do not discuss injuries in which there are question marks. So for example, if a player is out for the year, they'll tell you that. If there's not sure how long they're going to be out, if it's going to be two weeks, six weeks, four weeks, they really won't discuss it. Now, I understand that policy. 
So we we don't know when Maurice Smith will be back. We know he's not back this week, though. Yeah. And that's Darius Washington's job now. I would guess behind him is Schrader. It's a guess. Thomas Schrader yeah, seems yeah. to be the guy that's behind him right now. And listen, he's got tremendous upside. Part of the problem with the building blocks of the offensive line that Florida State's had, if you go back to the beginning, the roots of the issue, they were doing a poor job, previous staff and the staff before, of recruiting offensive linemen. They just didn't do a good job at the end of Rick Trickett's time here. Uh, my opinion was that they were failing the offensive line in terms of the evaluations and the numbers. All right, so we moved on from there. But Willie Tiger came in. Obviously, that was not a successful regime. So any of the offensive linemen that he signed, or the vast majority of them, especially the ones that were highly titled, like so many of his other recruits, have either transferred or not panned out. And so that's the situation you had there. All right, so now we enter in the Mike Norvell era. Alex Atkins is the offensive line coach. A tremendous hire. He is also the offense coordinator this year. A tremendous hire. Has turned out to be a godsend, as this guy can evaluate, he can teach it, he can recruit it. He is probably the most respected coach on the staff uh, besides Mike Norvell. I, I really believe that to be true. Alex Atkins is a gym and a guy that will be a head coach in big-time college football, in my opinion. He's done a good job of teaching what he had, but he's needed to add what I call better clay yeah. to get yeah. something more from this group, and that is what are you starting with? They've done a good job of adding pieces, but because so many guys were forced into action – before they were ready, simply because they didn't have the bodies or the bodies they had weren't talented enough to get the job done, they played a lot of young guys. The problem, as we all know, with playing young offensive linemen is they're physically not ready. They might be athletically gifted. They may be smart, but they're going against third and fourth year defensive linemen in a lot of cases that have been in the weightlifting programs and the nutritional programs of other schools. These are grown men now. These are guys that can move some weight, all right? I don't care how big and strong you are as a true freshman trying to play offensive line in power five football, you're not going to have a lot of success or very rarely are you going to find guys that have success. It does happen occasionally. Some players are preternaturally gifted. You see it, but it is very, very rare. So this is the first time in a long time that we look at this offensive line and we say, wow, they've suffered, incurred, Two separate injuries on the offensive line already this year, both at center, and we're not worried. Right. That talks yeah. to that yeah. talks about the development, the teaching, the ability, and the depth that they have now provided this group. Now, knock on wood, they don't have to keep testing that depth. But they have guys, they have answers at guard, they have answers at backup, they have answers at tackle, maybe not as many answers as we like behind those starting tackles, but there are guys like a turn in time that I think if he had to play, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And if you get a center back, Darius can go play tackle for you as well. And Correct. He's the ultimate swing man on the offensive line. Look, for years, offensive line recruiting wasn't worth a buck, which incidentally, Warchant.com is for one year right now. If you go to Warchant.com and click for the annual plan, <laughs> head over there today and you'll get all the great coverage from today and tomorrow. It'll be a wall-to-wall -wall coverage period, especially as we're going to New Orleans. But since then, this is the fun part is you take a look at the two early enrollees in Kanaya Charlton and Daughtry Richardson. Both talented, both big, strong guys that are going to be good football players. Then you see early, Armella and Sapp. Sapp might be a center for the future. He's working out there I'm right now. I'm higher on Sapp than almost anybody. I think you, <laughs> who builds a guy like that? He's ridiculous. He's massive. You can't, you can't bring, move him. You can't bring Sapp up without you bringing oh, Sapp. 
I forget together. about I mean, it. He's look massive. At him. He's, he's put together. Every time I see him, I'm like, that's a true friend. What are we doing? Good luck uprooting that guy. Yeah. He's 21. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, right. Uh, so they so got guys. That's the future of it. And look, if you do what you're supposed to do on the football field this year, you're going to retain the recruits that are committed to Florida State, which includes Lucas Simmons. A tackle, a bona fide tackle. Oh, an NFL tackle. Yes. He's got feet. He's got length. He's athletic. Yes. And they, Not that Armella isn't, but he might bump Armella inside if you find another a guy well, like you that. just have him play on they either side. Left and right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So. No, they, they've got answers in the long term of the position. In the short term, they've got enough they can work with for the interior. Tackle, you have a candidate. Last year, you didn't even have a candidate if one guy went down. You had you to might force only guards one to tackle. play tackle yeah, last year. Yeah. That's what you did. And at this point, it has gone from cold in the short term to long in the hot term for the offensive line. The question is, how many more injuries do you suffer? And I hate this question, but it, I mean, it's Mike Norvell's luck. So far, he lost two centers. It's also football. People get It's hurt. also football. But I don't know that you can absorb more than, say, two more uh, no, against the no. line. But think about that. If you only had one key injury last year to Dylan Gibbons, you lost the football game before it started. Yes, you did. Unless your defense scored you 10 points. Like outright gives you a short field and then scores a defensive touchdown with Jermaine Johnson, something along those lines. Now you've suffered two losses. It's not all not as it's not all lost at this point. And you probably could suffer a third setback and still be patchwork. That's what most other power five teams look like week to week. Really good. It's nice to be home. Talented, deep teams, obviously deal with these kinds of injuries by replacing those players with replacement level players that are plus plus players. They were highly touted players. Those are guys that you feel good about having to put into the game maybe sooner than you wanted, but you yeah. still feel good about them. This is the first time in a while that Florida state has three or four guys that have to, if they have to play, you're not overly concerned. Let's go to the hot. Now again, uh, who's hot, who's cold. Bear no AC. Here we go. Let's, let's talk about who's hot. Well, I don't think anybody would choose anybody other than Johnny Wilson for this segment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And what I mean by that is Johnny I'm surprised Wilson's, you did, but well, yes. Okay, <laughs> so I'm the one who says pump the brakes on the kind of hyperbole we've heard surrounding Johnny Wilson's name. He hasn't done it yet in a big-time football game against a good football team, and he won't have to do it against a good football team today. He'll be doing yeah. it against Duquesne. That doesn't mean that he hasn't had a tremendous camp because mm -hmm. he has. So yes. I may yes. be – cautiously optimistic, more cautiously optimistic than many members of the War Chant staff. But I'm not devoid of excitement for this young man because he's come a long way. This is a kid who I assure you in the spring was wildly inconsistent. Yeah, It's a guy that for every great catch he made, every play that he high pointed, used that body, six, seven frame. Corey would talk about it for three days. I would say, hey, hold on. He also dropped four passes. Right. So – you know, you got to catch the ball consistently. And I can't trust you if day one you're great, day two you're not, day three you're great, day four you're not. I wanted to see that. Well, it is safe to say, suffice, that he has absolutely improved mm -hmm. the consistency with which he plays, also the amount of plays he can make. This is a guy that I believe helps Florida State on first down, first and foremost. That little hitch to get you second and three, you can turn your big body to a backer or a safety, and you're right. going to make that play. You're going to shield yourself and make that play. You win first down more often because of Johnny Wilson. Now it's second and three, and now you can run tempo. Now you're in trouble because Jordan can run. We've got you having to play us honest, and it's a numbers game. Yeah, and, and he can help you on any down now. That's the thing that I learned in camp. What you're saying I think would have held true no matter what, that that body type is going to prove on first down to be Only very valuable. Only if you valuable. catch it. Well, yes, yeah, so my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, his bad days are no longer god awful, and they I, they were in spring. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat. They were they awful. were they yeah. were awful. His bad days now are pretty good. So if you've gone from awful to pretty good for a bad day, and then you have dominant sequences in practice, the only question is, and some members of the staff are saying there are no more questions. I'm saying there are. Saturdays still matter to me. You got to prove it because now people are going to go head hunting for you, and I don't necessarily mean from a targeting standpoint, but people are going to they're going to try to eat at you. It's like a Tall guys, I'm not one of them, but dudes who are six foot five and taller say, "Why does everybody try and like prove how tough they are to, yeah, a, to a big guy?" Because, yeah, that's going to happen on the football field this year. So how do you react to that? Do you have the composure to handle it? I think Johnny's wired well enough because he likes to block that it won't matter. He'll just put you on your butt the next play if they call a tall sweep to the right. But the important thing to me is if if you prove it early in the season, not to us, not for any other reason than if you prove it, then you can achieve balance on first down because you can't have extra bodies creeping towards the line of scrimmage. You've got to respect Johnny Wilson before the snap on first down, which should open up more things for the running game. I think the goal this year for this offense, to stay hot, to be better than they were last year, is to find ways to have a balanced look pre-snap, because if they get a balanced look from a defense pre-snap, they're going to hit more than just a, an occasional explosive run. They're going to be able to consistently run the football because of the threat of Jordan Travis legs. That's what gets me excited. Well, that has to do with dictating terms, and they have yep. not been able to dictate terms to a defense in forever. Now there have been moments in time, like against North Carolina and a few games here and there, where you go, oh, they're doing whatever they want to do. North Carolina is really. But it's been very rare against yeah. anybody in the Power Five, right? So they have to be able to win enough first downs that defenses have to play you honest. They, they got to beat you over the top on a play early yes. so that the safeties can't creep down and really hyper-concentrate on the run, which is what I would do if I were defending Florida State. I would say there's no way, no how. You're going to beat me up on the ground. I'm not going to let Jordan Travis's legs or Trey Benson's or anybody else uh, beat me in this game. I'm going to make him throw it. Yeah. Can he? Over and over and over again. Well, you can only really do that if you can commit to it. So what you're saying is make teams have yeah. to play you honest by succeeding on first down with a variety of looks. I think, listen, that's the goal. That's what they'll try to do. We'll see if they're successful. Well, I think the other thing, too, is to use a college football, uh, baseball analogy is a college baseball pitcher. Let's say not your Friday night starter. Yeah. Pretty, pretty erratic, right? Not, not like a minor leaguer. Imagine having a teacup for a strike zone as an umpire with right. that, you know, on a college baseball mound. That's a problem. It's going to be a long game. Long game. That's what Jordan Travis was dealing with with these receivers last Without year. Without question. And the it was strike tough. zone yeah. for them to come down with a catch is a teacup. And now it might be a 32-ounce Yeti. I don't know. With Johnny Wilson, <laughs> it's, it's, it's much larger. It's not a gallon bucket, but it's much larger. So the thing yeah. is, he, he does have to be incrementally more accurate, but he also kind of doesn't. The net effect is when you have larger bodies and a body like Johnny Wilson, it doesn't have to be perfect for somebody to come down with a catch. And can you create one-on-ones? They've yes. done such a good job of creating one-on-ones. I mean, you can talk about Kenny Dillingham, and you can argue whether you thought he did a good job of calling plays or did a good job with the offense in general. I would argue he did engineer an awful lot of one-on-ones, yeah. which is kind of the goal of an offensive coordinator, is to put your playmakers in a position to make plays. If they can't, that's not on you. I joke about this all the time. You can't scheme up a lot of one-on-zeros so, I mean, it's just not going to happen. And he schemed up an awful lot of one-on-ones last year, but he did so for guys that were five foot seven, five yes. foot nine, and he did so for guys that weren't going to win their matchups. For they weren't going to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was difficult, right? So, 
to that point, a deuce span is an athletic freak. Mm -hmm. Johnny Wilson is 6'7 with that catch radius. Yeah. He doesn't even have to be great. He's just 6'7 with that catch radius. That's another player who had a good camp. Uh, you know, span, yeah. hot for deuce span. That doesn't mean that he is going to be a 50 catch player. It just looks so much more fluid and natural, the position of receiver than it did in spring. There were moments in spring yeah. where, where you even said first week, you said, man, he's fluid. Yes, as an athlete, he 100% is. But then what happened next week? You know, when it comes to the route tree and, and footwork and releasing out of a route, where do you put your hands? How do you catch the balls away from your body or off your chest plate? All those things. He was, it was rough. It was rough to watch that at times. And he didn't look confident. And he looked like he was thinking about his steps. He was counting in his head. All those things. That is now lessened to a large degree in camp. Does that mean that he is a bona fide wide receiver yet? No. But I think the growth curve has been pretty quick. Well, let me point out, and I brought it up in the first hour, and I think it's just important to reiterate. Listen, uh, a lot of times we're doing our best, you and I, on the Jeff Cameron Show or any other facet of what we do on a daily basis to be objective, to have an opinion, to be – I mean, listen, I'm not making things up as I go along. I'm giving <laughs> you my honest opinion. But deep down, here's where we get back to it. We're Knowles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm saying this as a Knoll. Mike likes these guys because of how hard they've practiced. Yeah. Mike likes these guys because of how hard they've put in the time on the playbook, studying it, learning it, working together when the coaches weren't around. Coach Storm's workouts, they put themselves through the paces to get better because they're desperate to succeed. All right, why do I bring that up? Well, you're talking about a kid in Deuce Span who looked completely clueless when he got here in the spring. And See, that's I try to be kind. Now, he looked clueless. Now, what he also looked like, and you're right, he looked like a, a freak of an athlete. He yeah. looked like a guy yeah. that, oh, my God, we've got something we can work with here. He doesn't know what he's doing. But when he figures it out, mm -hmm. and what happens when you get a guy like that, you hold your breath because you just never know. They might not figure it out. It could be yeah. three years and time's up. Didn't figure it out. He's going to go dominate somewhere in some games at the park, but it's not going right, to help yeah. you, right? The so, final bowl game, yeah. the last Duke's <laughs> Mayo Bowl. You're like, oh, thanks for the yeah. aid for 202. Right. So <laughs> my point was – I just want to see how quickly we can get him into the rotation. How quickly can he learn how to run other routes than a go? Yeah. I mean, it was a given that you were going to throw two, two routes to him. You were going to give him the quick game, get the ball out of his hands, where you just fire it out to the flats and hope like hell you get a block from Johnny Wilson. And Deuce fans you, uses his athleticism and elusiveness, and he's to the house because he's 4-3, right? Mm -hmm. Or you were going to run a nine. Just go, and I'm going to throw it up to you because you're big, you're tall, you're athletic. Maybe maybe you'll run by the guy. Maybe we get lucky. So that's what we thought. Maybe some special teams work. And the next thing you knew, you and I are watching. I remember the day we were at practice. We looked at each other after he ran a really fluid route, little post, little skinny post, caught the ball, turned and looked back. I mean, I looked at you, you looked at me, because we hadn't seen him do it with the fluidity that he did it with. Later on, little turnaround, little hitch. We'll go. Next thing you have, I mean, yeah. we, we started to see the route tree, right. right? And it's not all catches, but no, it's just. You're, it just you're, looked like he had a clue of yeah, how to get yes. in and out of his breaks, how to release off the line. These are the nuances, the position. Lots of guys are athletic. Can you deceive? Can you, is there fluidity to what you're doing? Yeah. We started to see it. And that goes back to a guy who's putting in time by himself, working yeah. hard in the off season from the spring to the fall to make a go. And, man, that's exciting. That's why you root for people like that. And we're rooting for guys like that. Yeah, in the early part of practice, you know, they'll do drills against air, you know, throw and catch. 
and those don't tell you really anything other than maybe arm strength for a quarterback. But one player I would watch against Air for is Span because you want to see how comfortable he is because they'll break out the tree, the yep. route tree, and then, okay, how do you handle it? And I can tell you in the last week or two, he's catching more passes naturally away from his body. It just – it looks – if you were in Ohio – covering Ohio State, you're doing a, a, a tour of, of colleges around the country, and you were plopped down just yeah. last week in Tallahassee. You'd say, oh, who's that receiver? You wouldn't say, who's that athlete trying to play receiver? You'd say, who's that receiver? He could be a weapon and, and with a guy like a Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, obviously banged up, and he's a guy that you, you try to get mismatches for and, and one-on-ones. Very, very specific. A burner down yeah, the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Deuce Band could be that player for you now, too. I look forward to seeing what kind of matchups they generate for him, if they do, in the next few weeks. Seems like everyone's got a chicken sandwich these days, so how do you know which one to try? Luckily, one sandwich towers above all the others in size and deliciousness, Zaxby's Signature Sandwich. It's an extra-large hand-breaded filet, three thick-cut pickle chips on a split-top bun, and it comes with your choice of Zax sauce or spicy Zax sauce. It's big, it's delicious, it's only at your neighborhood Tallahassee Zaxby's. Your Tallahassee Zaxby's, a proud Golden Chief booster for 17 years. Go to Olds, where we're... Got uh, plenty of time left to talk about uh, some Florida State football, and I'm excited about it on Warchant TV. It's Warchant game day. We're atop Hotel Indigo. More in a moment. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome back, Warchant game day atop Hotel Indigo. Brought to you by our friends at Zaxby's. Pre-game, post-game, no game at all. Anytime is the right time for Zaxby's platters, just as long as you're hungry. Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 17 years. Go Knowles. Remember, you can order online or on the app as well. All right, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, so Vishal uh, comes through with a, a monster contribution to the program. Vishal, thank you. Vishal. Thank you. It was Goodness a pleasure gracious. to meet him last night. That's what he said in the comment. We met him at the corner pocket with his son, Sean. Yeah. Remember, Fridays of game weeks, home games, corner pocket bar and grill, 530 to 630 for the War Chant Happy Hour. That's where we met last night. He's got a great young man on his hands. Does Vishali drove up from uh, the Orlando area. Thank yeah. you so much for your contribution, sir. Really, really cool. Actually. We we met Vishal uh, via a, a contribution like that last year in the pregame show. Going, who the hell is that? I yelled it out. What's going on with this Vishal character? <laughs> yeah. He seems like a really good guy. Rob, thank you so much as well, Rob Rathbun. He always comes in. No, no comments. Yeah. He just drops it. Just kind. Just Twenty kind. bones. Thank yeah. you, and Augie really dog. Augie dog as well. He's excited about the year. Man, we're, we're catching excited. up. We're catching up. I, I appreciate everybody. Sincerely, thanks, thanks, everybody. Really, really kind of you, and um, it helps us do what we do. Helps us really kind of move forward with some of our aspirations that we want to achieve as well with uh, broadcast locations, things we can get, yeah. yeah, all that. Oh, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah we, we can't say thank you enough. And to those of you that are subscribed to Warchant.com as well, thank you. Well over 9,000 subscribers already in the drive. The are we leading one the way site. now? Leading we the are. way now? Yeah, absolutely. Leading the way in on three. Give us a shot. It means a lot. And it's going to work for you. You're going to say, this is the best dollar I ever spent, especially these days. The best dollar you ever spent, go to warchant.com. You'll see the special up top in the green box. And it's a buck. The 700 plus that are watching right now, hit the like button underneath this video. Subscribe to Warchant TV. See, I memorized all that, all well, that stuff. Well, man, it's a, that's a lot of people watching. Hey, yeah. thanks a lot, guys. We're about to, we're not far now, man. And so about a little less than 40 minutes left in the show, but the game yep. is not far off now. And you know, I think, by the way, if you're listening locally, watching locally, maybe you're, you got it on your phone driving in, whatever it might be, uh, as we look at the tailgate lots behind, what a view here at Hotel Indigo. It is. Um, they're starting to fill up here now, which is great. 
anybody can come here. You don't if you're yep. not staying at Hotel Indigo, it doesn't matter. You can come here, come up to the top four. You'll see us broadcasting. Uh, host a ton of four state fans right here. Uh, everybody's excited yeah. about uh, about the broadcast. So go, you can hear him in the there backdrop. Go. There we go. Uh, we even we even got the mayor of Pensacola. We did. That's yeah, right. So how about that? Oh, there's yeah. a couple few dozen people here. There's full air conditioning area too. If you're in the tailgate lots right now, you say I need a break. Where can I get a break where I'm not around 100 people within a 10 foot space? Come to Hotel Indigo. It's nice and spacious. They've got a buffet for you upstairs here, cash bar, everything you want. They got games on TVs up here too. It's a hidden gem, seventh floor of the Hotel Indigo. Something to point out, too. I think we're going to knock on wood here, get a little bit lucky with the weather as well. Oh, it's looking like we're going to be all right. As somebody who's doing an in game show and a post game show, please. Yeah. Got to have from your mouth to the football gods' ears. Let me let me hip you to a stat, Tom, because I think it's going to matter greatly, and we want to see a big leap forward in this number. Well, at least in terms of the consistency that they play offense. Thirty-seven point seven points per game as a head coach is Mike Norvell in his career. That is the third highest nationally among coaches active from the years twenty sixteen to twenty twenty two. We have not seen that electrifying offense as of yet. We know that, but that's what he's done in his career. 37.7 points per game, third best of all the active coaches from 2016 to 2022. He had three separate games at Memphis where they dropped 70 on people. How big a step forward do we think this offense takes this year? Because to me, that is the, that's the biggest question. I think the defense is going to be pretty consistent. Certainly better to start the year than it was last season where they were absolute sieve. They got better as the season went on. I brought up the stat when we did the round table last eight games, they were a top 30 defense in a lot of the metrics. So the first four count two, and those skewed the numbers and they weren't good overall, but those last eight games, they were a top 30 defense. Now the offense has to come along for the ride. We talk a lot about adding depth on the offensive line. We talk a lot about bringing in wide receivers with a greater catch radius, more athleticism and greater depth at that position too. Jordan's the unquestionable quarterback. He's not looking over his shoulder at McKenzie Milton. So, how much of a step forward do we think we see this upcoming season offensively in terms of consistency? Well, consistency, it, it's hard to be less consistent than they were last year, and that all stems from the offensive line, really. Uh, yeah. What it doesn't yeah. allow you to do, it doesn't allow you to win first down. So if you're consistently, and this is what they were consistent at, in second and long, Kenny talked about this for the first four or six games of the season. He'd say, well, how many negative plays did we give up? Your favorite. How many MAs did we mm-hmm, have? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're constantly in second and 10 or second and 12, we were talking about, can we just get to second and 10? That's how bad things were. Well, that's when the offensive line was banged yeah. up and they didn't have guys to, you know, replacement level players. And the next thing you knew, you were in real trouble. Right. The drive's over that quickly. Yeah. The thing that I think we're going to see more consistently this year is tempo. Because I think because you can win first down. You know, it's not that you're always in second and four, but you may be in second and seven, and that's good enough to get up to the line of scrimmage. And when you make somebody think faster than they want to think in this offense, that's how you get to those numbers that he's put up. That's how you average nearly 40 points a game because we see it. Some of the basic plays, and this is nothing about camp specifically. Last year, look at the tape. There are some basic plays that when we get in a rhythm, you have to make a choice and you almost have to guess as a defender. So success rate is something you hear a lot of people kick around. It, it's quantifiable. Um, you know, there's a first down success rate, second down success rate, third. It's if you get the requisite yardage necessary to win the down. Yeah. Those numbers are described, and we won't get into the formula, but if you get five yards on first down, that's oh, a successful yeah. play. You, that's You just kicked ass. Yeah. yeah, so second and five allows you to call anything in your playbook, and it makes a defense play you honest. How often are you in second and six, second and five? 
because it really does dictate terms to the defense from that point moving forward. Florida State found themselves on the losing end of first down so frequently last year that the series wasn't over because Jordan Travis could be a genie. He could make something happen almost out of nothing. But they were busted plays. A lot of the offense was predicated on Jordan making something out of nothing or Jordan making a guy miss because they were pigeonholed into what they could do. The defense knew exactly what was coming. That's no way to live, man. That's no way to sustain drives. That's no way to find the kind of offensive success rate that we're speaking of. That's no way to put the points up at 37.7. Yeah. Like you, you have to find a way to win first down. Now they're going to win first down today, guys. This is not what's in question. We're asking big questions about this offense and what we think they'll do. They are better equipped to give themselves yeah. a chance to sustain drives and to run tempo. So I don't know what a successful drive would look like in terms of total yardage. I'm sure there's a formula for that, too. If you get, what, three first downs? If you clear 35 yards, 40 yards? Like, what determines a successful drive? And why do I bring that up? Special teams, specifically the punt return unit, is going to catch the football this year. That's one thing that we can I can say pretty confidently. They're gonna we catch watched the it every day. They actually did it in practice. I'm holding my breath. I mean, there's no reason they can't do it in the game. They Micah Pittman can catch the ball. Right. They brought in another kid that can catch the ball. They've they've got a few guys. So it, all these little things add up. If you're a little bit better on the offensive line, if it's not a teacup that you're throwing to a, at a wide receiver position, right. like with Johnny Wilson or with Malik McLean, if you can catch the football in the punt return game instead of letting it roll from your own 38 to your own 12. Little things like that. That's how you arrive at the extra 7 to 10 points you're looking for per game. And when you break it down that way, it feels a lot simpler to me. Because then you do realize that they're better across the board at each position on the offense. And if the special teams can help you out, I'm not even talking about returning it for one positive yard. I'm just talking about catching the ball. Kick return game is a different conversation. But if you have the ball at your own 38 instead of your own 12, the chances of you scoring points are astronomical. And that's if you're a bad offense. Now, what if you're an average or an above-average offense this year? That's where it gets fun to talk about this group. Well, and, yeah, again, where you're talking about hyper-focusing on what numbers, it changes from success rate on first down to a, a stat called finishing drives. Right. Let's have that discussion. Well, I mean, how that's many a, drives could we a, go? a lot more fun to have. What percentage of our drives last year would we go 40 yards and have no chance to succeed? Right. Because of where we started on the field. Correct. I mean, all these things work together, and they're better in so many little areas that if they can prove it in the passing game, this is the whole key to the year for me. Mm -hmm. If you can prove it in the passing game, and you don't have to be between the hash marks or third and six, if you prove it on first down, that you have to be played honest, the explosive runs will be more consistent. And I'm not just talking about the 80-yard Jason Corbins. I'm talking about 12 yards on first down, and now we're going in tempo. It's all about that first down. That's how you get drives going with tempo. I think they want to do it more. They just couldn't last year. Really quickly, perhaps the game of the day, at least week zero games, are usually pretty one-sided. We've got a great one over in Ireland, Nebraska 28, Northwestern 24, as they start the fourth quarter. Real good football game. This game began Nebraska 14-3. to Northwestern stormed back. You wonder about the demons. Sir. <laughs> Sir. Had some tough ones. North, Nebraska minus 11 looked pretty enticing this morning, uh, and I, I didn't touch it. And you may still regret that, but uh, still, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to sweat that out. Once I saw it, a four-point game plus – Northwestern scored 24 points? Yeah. Wow. No, it's a it's a shootout in Ireland, That's a sir. Month just now starting in the fourth quarter, 28-24 Nebraska. Elsewhere, uh, Western Kentucky leads Austin P 35 to 27. That game is in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, so you just you know, a few games right now. Obviously, we kick off at five o'clock on the ACC. Also on the uh, the War Chant chat scoreboard, Z Chan, Zach, 
I mean, thank you so much for your oh, contribution. Man. I should it's answer Bob's one. question, I guess. I'll, I'll yeah, Bob you. asked you about the, the big daddy J, but but Zach, two hundred dollars. Oh, come on, so Zach. Much. Thank you so we much. We really appreciate brother. that. We're feeling the love today. It's very, very kind of all of you, and we do appreciate it. I was gonna pull this up here, Tom. Just a little fun, because people have asked in the chat now. This is not the, <laughs> the place. This is not normally where I do this. So I'll, I'll maybe whisper it here that the folks well, on TV Bob can't. asked, what are Big Daddy J's plays? Well, I got a lot of them, and I'm not going to go through all of them because it's not a game we show out here today. But I will tell you, I did have a three-pick parlay. We can have fun with here together, guys. I took FSU minus 41.5, North Carolina minus 45, unfortunately, against Florida a and I hope the Rattlers win that game, but they're not going to. Utah State minus 24, parlayed that $25 to win 175 so it's just a little fun. Oh. It's just a little float around Potato chips. Yeah, 175 potato chips. potato chips. Yeah, that's all it is. That's Sir, all we're it. in the state of Florida. Oh, sorry about that. Right, yes. Potato chips indeed. But that was one little fun parlay. And, hey, guys, really what this is about is welcome back football. Welcome back gambling. Welcome back all of the things on the periphery and right there, the meat and the potatoes, the sandwich, the whole deal. we got about 25 minutes left in the show. Does it feel real to you yet? Like that, it's game day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I, this all of the people helped. helped doing this as yeah helped uh, without question. It does feel real to me today. And I, you know, I got up this morning not knowing what to expect about the crowds. I didn't know about the crowds here at Hotel Indigo. I didn't know what it was going to look like over here. That's starting to fill up again. I'm it is. To feel better and better about they that. You can see that on the camera. You know, I saw that the student allotment was sold out. I was happy about that. I mean, it's tough because if you think about the schedule, and we've done a lot of preseason prognostication. We've done a lot of. Uh, you know, W's and L's and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And every time you do it, you look through the games, you don't think about attendance. You don't think about things like that. You just think about, are you going to win that game by how much, or are you going to lose that game? What do you have to overcome? All of that. Well, I mean, from the get-go, when you found out Florida State was playing week zero, on the one hand, you love seeing Florida State football sooner rather than later, so that was fine. On the other hand, you figure that's a tough sell, even though it is the home opener, because A, it's an outmatched opponent in Duquesne, and B, we're all headed to New Orleans next week for yeah. the game against LSU, and a lot of people are putting their money in that. It's going to be <laughs> fired up. Fired that. up about that. I'm fired up about it too. So folks have kind of probably saved for a long time to be able to do that and meet their friends there and all those things. So I wondered what we'd get, but this atmosphere here has been awesome. The atmosphere at the stadium hopefully will be a little bit better than I would have given it credit for when I first saw that this game was the first on the schedule and at the time that it was. Yeah, well, I'll tell you another thing I was surprised by in terms of crowds yesterday at the happy hour show. I mean, the people were ready. It wasn't just the rain. Yeah, I know. There's people here. If you're uh, here both days, go ahead and give a round of applause. But it was lively. People are starving for us to matter again. Oh, man. You know who else is? ESPN. And I know people don't believe that they are because that's an investment. They may not invest in the ACC, the way that they've invested clearly in the SEC, but it's still an asset and they need it to do well. And listen, the ACC only does well in football, frankly, typically, we know this in terms of moving the needle nationally. If Florida State's great, if Miami is ever any good, let's hope not. But if they are, the bottom line is that is how the needle gets moved for the ACC. Listen, if a pit wins the conference, that ain't good for the conference. If Wake Forest is in the championship game, that's not good for the conference. You know, this you need the name and the recognition and the cachet of a Florida state. And they're still getting around that. Yeah. I'm a Homer. Yeah. I'm an old, but Florida state, we see it through the sales of merchandise. We see it with the TV ratings. We know how important they are to college football's larger landscape. I'm sure that all of the networks, all of the people who make a lot of money on college football would like to see Florida State matter again. Yeah, well, I mean, last year's game with Notre Dame, it was I understand it's the only game in town, but it's still one of the most watched games all season long. It was the top five watch game on the season. Right. 
And it's going to be another monster next weekend with LSU. It's it will going be to huge. do monster ratings. So, you know, if you can match the ratings with a success, then you, you got something. And it just sounds so simple, but here we are. We haven't won our, our season opener since 2016. Yeah, I opened the show with it. It was an upsetting thing to have to do, but I talked about that 2016 matchup against Texas State, 59-16. to 16, Florida State won that game. Oh, that was the home opener in 15. From, yeah, the home opener in yeah, 15. Sorry. Yeah, so from there, you just go on down the list of bad games. Alabama, 24-7. to 7, Virginia Tech, 24-3. to 3, Boise State, we choke away, 36-31. Oh. 16-13, Georgia Tech, which is still unmanageable with a long that Boise game delay. Was especially. Woo! That was Man. a tough one. I cooked in that game. I was sitting in the stands with my dad. Shake that one off. Yeah, forty-one thirty-eight against Notre Dame last year in overtime. So yeah, I mean it's it's been a minute since we've won our first game. Yeah, I like when they schedule teams like this. I understand what you said before. I don't, do can't. Hey, yeah. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. We are beggars, sir. So we cannot be choosers in this moment. Man, I think you could have probably filled that slot with Troy or somebody like that. But yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, that's how far we've fallen. But that's yeah. that's it. It's the last time we have to do this. Well, I still look. Would you rather us open our first game in New Orleans against LSU, or no, do you want to turn no, up no. of some kind? Actually, like to this? that point, listen really quickly. I, I, all seriousness, all jokes aside, I've said all week long. Just for people who have asked, you know, what are you going to learn about this team in this game? And my thought was, you're not going to learn a lot about this team in this game physically. You're going to learn to correct communication mistakes. First games can be chaotic for a coaching staff. Communications really comes into play there. You haven't done it yet. Now, Mike's got a plan for how he wants his guys to communicate in-game. Who can talk when, why, that has to be orderly. You cannot have that headset on and hear four voices at a time while you're trying to think and while you're trying to get something done. So in a game, your first game, this is where you iron out all those problems. If there's a problem with the system, if there's a problem where a coach – uh, isn't well, his, yeah. his segment group isn't ready for whatever the, the offensive of staff, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you had Kenny used as the coordinator in the booth last year, and Alex Atkins is going to be on the field because he needs to be able to read what's going on with his offensive lineman. So that communication chain changes fundamentally from year over year. Communication chain is a lot about what can be corrected from week one to week two or week zero to week one, however you want to phrase it. I think that is the key thing that they'll get done, and they'll get to play a lot of people. And I, I again, I know for fans, we say, listen, win the game, take care of business. I'm excited to see the starters. But given how hard these guys work every day in practice, I have to get excited for some of the walk-ons that will play today if Florida State takes care of business, the guys that are going to play in very few games, third stringers, guys who are a long ways away from being able to play but run these plays in practice. They get an opportunity a game like this if your starters do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. They all get that chance, and we all smile and are happy for those guys. Somebody asked earlier in the chat, do you think today's game is such that in the fourth quarter, perhaps, A.J. Duffy gets on the field? Yes. Okay. All I right. do. Yeah, I absolutely do. In fact, that's something I'm excited about. Yeah, me too. I would like to see him play. I know it's Duquesne, and I know that if he gets in, the game will have already been decided, and it's lopsided. There won't be any real pressure there. But I can assure you that it, the first time he trots out there with an opportunity to play in the Garnet and Gold at home in front of fans, he's going to be nervous. Yep. Get that under your belt. Get out there and do a little something and have some fun with it. He's got the opportunity probably today if the if the Noles are up by 40 in the middle of the third quarter or early in the fourth. Yeah, maybe. That so. could be an interesting conversation because uh, it's not in the same link, but we have something ready for you on Warchant TV today. It's the Warchant Watch Along beginning at 5 o'clock. If you get tired of the ACC Network broadcast, and you'd rather you listen will. to something <laughs> somebody you else. Will. For the first half, our own Aslan Hunter-Vandy will be uh, running the show, and then the insights will come from our own Dominic Robinson, who will be there from kickoff until the final kneel down or the final play of the game. I'll be joining it for the second half. 
So since I have the second half job today, mm. I wonder if we're going to be talking about AJ Duffy. And we're talking because I would like to get Dominic's thoughts I was just from afar on what he's seeing in terms of processing. They've thrown a ton at AJ through the entire play. Sometimes he's sinking and sometimes he's swimming. But when you simplify things for a game, I want to see how he handles that because he's got natural ability and he's got a good arm. It'll be fun to listen to Dominic Robinson talk about a lot of things. He's not lacking for an opinion. He also has great knowledge. So I think he'll bring that. But if you start to see, as the aforementioned walk-ons and third string guys and people like that get into a game, it will be fascinating to see what he thinks that they're learning, what they what they can achieve here, what what the goal is with a lot of those guys, what's happening, what's moving too fast, what's working, all that stuff. Because you know, I think coaches have a different idea of what they want to see when they put guys out there who've gotten limited reps uh, in terms of you know running the offense. In the case of AJ Duffy. Well, and here's hoping that this uh, broadcast, be it on ACC Network, is not presented like the spring game, because you could see where it'd be a hybrid format. For a game like Duquesne, if it gets a little bit uh, sloppy in terms of the scoreboard, that they cut down to the sidelines for interviews every 10 minutes. Let's all hold hands, those of us who can't be lucky enough to go into Doak today and when we're watching on television, that we actually see the game from start to finish because it's better to be able to break down the game if you can see it instead of sideline interview. I can't line. fathom that that would be the case. It's an actual game. They're going to, I know network, it's the ACC man. network, but they too are efforting my friend to <laughs> get better. Just as Florida state is, we are war chant game day broadcasting live at the top hotel Indigo brought to you by our friends at Zaxby's. We'll come back and kind of wrap it up here in a moment. Yeah. Watching. Something big, something huge is taking over the world of chicken sandwiches. Zaxby's new signature sandwich with Zax sauce or new spicy Zax sauce. Because the chicken sandwich war ain't over yet. The new signature sandwich, it's taking over. And it's only at Zaxby's. Warchant.com has been the definitive home of all things FSU sports for over 20 years and is now part of On3, the next generation network. Warchant.com has the most experienced, tenured, and largest staff on the Florida State sports beat and now features innovative resources, including an NIL database that projects player value and a truly aggregated composite recruiting ranking system that will set the bar in the industry. You can have access to all of this in addition to Wake Up War Chant, The Jeff Cameron Show, Seminal Headlines, complete pre, in-game, and post-game coverage, plus year-round recruiting coverage for only $1 a year. Yeah, that's right. $1, 365 days. Get some. Here's how to get started. Head over to Warchant.com or On3.com. From the team's drop-down menu at the top of the screen or the upper left corner if you're on mobile, select Teams, scroll down to Florida State, and then select Warchant. There, you'll see the limited offer for one year for $1. Tap or click, choose Florida State from the drop-down, annual or monthly, enter your billing info, and hit subscribe. That's it. $1 for a year of Warchant.com, the ultimate deal for the ultimate fan from the ultimate Semmel sports source, Warchant.com. Zaxby's Chicken Finger Plate comes with 12 dippable, dunkable, do-it-any-way-you-wantable sauces and the plate of our hand-breaded fingers. Oh, and don't forget the napkins. Famous fried chicken, endless sauceabilities, only at Zaxby's. 
War Chant Game Day continues as it's brought to you by our friends at Zaxby's. We are on top of Hotel Indigo. You could be with us anytime you want for the home games. We'll be here all season long. Today's game predictions are brought to you. Well, you want to save that one? You want to get into? We can. I can get into a uh, contribution that we have. Well, okay, let's do that. Our let's friend Scott. It's more of a. He's saying that he's not sold on Adam Fuller just yet. So what he wants to see today yeah, and what he yeah. can learn today is guys flying around because it tells him that they're not thinking anymore. If they're flying around on the field, then pre-snap communication and trust in the system is not an issue anymore. Completely fair. And we did not go through for, again, the people coming into town, the entirety of that defense. Yeah, I'll rapid fire this thing because I think Scott's concerns are valid. Even still, even after what no, they no, did no. for the final eight games? No, no. What I mean by that is you've got to show me now that everybody is on the same page. You already showed me for a stretch that you are capable of rolling a defense out there that was uncoordinated and confused. Now, I'll grant you, you righted the ship, but it was only after four embarrassing losses in which teams did anything they wanted. They're going to adjust to what Florida State did in the last eight games. Yes. Offenses are going to see what was successful for Florida State, and they are going to attack some of the other elements of this defense. How quickly does Adam Fuller adjust well, in-game when those adjustments occur, and how quickly are his players able to implement what he's teaching them? That is a fair concern. Scott. It is. Well, the other thing, too, is when you have a front four like you did last year, you don't have to bring anybody else. That's you don't right. have to get creative. You don't have to get exotic. I think Adam Fuller likes to bring pressures. It's just He strikes me as that type. He mentioned it after the second scrimmage. So it's not anything, again, that's a secrets behind the scenes. How how often do you have to do that? And how good are you at it? That's the right. other thing. Like, players matter in a great way. They've got – there are certain players who have a knack for jumping snap counts from the second level. You know, Derwin James was phenomenal at that. Some players have all the speed in the world, and they can never get home, and it'll drive you nuts. You see it all the time at the NFL level. Like, a guy will have a free shot on the quarterback, and he'll never get home. So what the hell good is it? It doesn't matter that, you know, you deceive somebody. they got to finish the play. But, you know, you didn't have to worry about that last year. Right. Because Jermaine Johnson and Keir have it on lockdown. So when you don't have that luxury, and we're betting that they won't as consistently have the luxury of a pass rush that can get home with just four, what do you do to account for that? And how successful are you? Because if you're bad at blitzing, it's ugly because you give up wide open plays. It's my greatest concern, and I don't know that there is somebody else that's uniquely gifted at getting to the passer other than Tatum Bethune. Mm -hmm. Outside uh, of the front four. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Who is it that you believe is going to be able to make those plays? I don't know who that is. I don't know what the exotics right. are going to look like. In theory, like. Amari Gaynor is, but, you know, it's been several years. i him play a lot right. of football, right. and we're still waiting on it. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, that's one of those things that it's tough to know. By the way, quick update. Northwestern leads Nebraska 31-28. Oh, sir. Sir. The fact that I did not hit send. Don't press send. 11.30 to play in that game in, in Ireland. Yeah, it's unbelievable. All right, so McClendon in verse. We feel pretty good about going into the season. Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, really, really good about going into this season. We like Malcolm Ray. We like Jared Jackson. We love Joshua Farmer. He's really come on. Yeah, great camp. Dennis Briggs, who I think will be the most consistent player on the defense, mm -hmm. is just a hoss. You can move him inside, have him outside. Dennis Briggs good player. Who steps up? In, in that Fox role outside of him. Leonard Warner's been here 37 years. He <laughs> might be able to do that. Kalen DeLoach and DJ Lundy to go along with Tatum Bethune are your linebackers. Tatum Bethune, really the star that came over from UCF and a guy that I think, frankly, seriously upgrades this group. Uh, I think from there, 
you know, you look at Kevin Knowles, you look at uh, Duke Cooper, who who actually did not have a great camp, guys. Yeah, that's something to watch. Yeah, but he might be a watch, gamer. So he right? have, yeah, he did not have a great camp. Now, he really came on at the end of last year, so I trust him, but didn't have a great camp. Zaria Thomas was the talk of camp because as a freshman, he really came in here and looked to be uh, uber talented. There's no getting around this. He's he's long, he's fast, he's physical, he's smart, he's fluid. He's a lot of things that you want to see in a corner. Yeah. He should have a chance to play quite a bit today, I would say. Sam McCall as well. Akeem Dent and Jamie Robinson are two guys we feel very, very good about. And finally, the other corner is Renardo Green. And Renardo's a guy that I think a lot of people are like, hmm, two fingers. You know, I get why, but he had a good camp. He played pretty well. No, the strength of the defense is up the middle at all levels. And when's the last time you could say that about a Florida State defense that you feel good about? Interior defensive line, linebackers, and safeties. 13? I don't even know that 2014 had great linebacker play, so it might have been the championship It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been frustrating, and hasn't that's, it? That's a nice thing to be able to lean on. What I want to see is can you make teams one-dimensional? Can you stop the run? And where, where are they going to test the run? The perimeter. They're not oh, going to test that they're not gonna t- No, I wouldn't think. We have problems if teams are successful running up right. the middle. But, yeah. So it's about discipline on the edges. It's about keeping your leverage. You don't have to worry about Dennis Briggs with that, I don't believe. He has such knowledge of every position on the defensive line that he's not going to get outthought. He has the football IQ. But the question is, with a McClendon or a Jared Verse, how do they hold up against the run? I think they'll be dynamic enough in third and obvious, those two guys, to get to the quarterback. But if it's third and medium, what do they do? And those are the kinds of things that the speed of this game, I think, will affect one way or the other. Not not today, specifically talking about this season ahead for Jared Verse and McClendon in first extended action. We'll see how they react to it. Well, I think the reason, too, for Florida State to be excited about what they have defensively is while they're not nearly as dynamic – Jared, you know, Jermaine Johnson is a first-round draft pick. You can't yeah. replace the production of he and Keir Thomas. Those numbers are staggering. Tom and I have talked about them a lot before. Like, you look at all of the things that they succeeded in doing, tackles for loss and havoc and all those numbers that you look at. But I do think they're more consistent across the board. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that at each level, you feel pretty good about what that segment group is. Yeah, I will tell I mean, you. pretty good. Because of – what you just talked about with one player who didn't have a great camp. I am looking at corner again a little bit, mm. and I don't know that I can learn anything today about that, but certainly LSU with their receivers next week will tell you if your corners took a step back. That You'll find that one out That early. game, those talking points, I mean, that. listen, we are in the midst of being, um, I think, enthralled by a lopsided victory and yeah. an opening day win finally and all that, right? Yeah. Next week's a different end. Like yeah. the concerns are real about for both teams. Though, that's the good thing. Yeah. Yeah. But from a talent standpoint, you brought a receiver. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that is, that's going to be something. Uh, by the way, we want to thank our friends at Garnet and Gold. Uh, they helped out again today. Tom they is did. wearing Garnet and Gold gear. I'm wearing Garnet and Gold gear. I'm actually going to go get some more Garnet and Gold gear later this week on Monday. In fact, I'm going to be swinging by there. So for the best game day apparel in Tallahassee and online, support Garnet and Gold for all your FSU needs. Garnet and Gold is locally owned and operated. Their owners are FSU grads as well. Knowles support Knowles when they shop at Garnet and Gold. Time for some predictions, Tom. Let's get to it. Today's game predicts predictions are brought to you by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. I like ABC. Uh, find an ABC Fine Wine and Spirits throughout the state of Florida and become an Access Rewards member today. I'm an Access Rewards member. You are? I am. Are you close to getting to the vault? I hope. You're I aware of the vault, lately. right? I'm aware of the vault. Yeah, so the I vault gotta, has all of the rare bourbons yeah. and scotches and for you, maybe uh, tequila? 
tequila and scotch. Tequila and scotch are my yeah, things. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 absolutely. So I'm close to the vault. Soon enough. Yeah. Chances are, if you live in this state, you know where your nearest ABC is. Go hit them up. Yeah. Let's let's go ABC. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, Tom. Let's uh, let's go here. We've got a, a good ten minutes or a little less than that left in the yeah. show. We can talk about what the predictions are. I, I said all week long, I'm not going to deviate. I think Florida State wins this game by whatever the score they want to win the game by. Um, it, it's people conflate uh, a, a game like this to the one that they saw against Jacksonville State, and I don't think they should. Jacksonville State had a lot of Division One transfers, uh, some Power Five transfers on that team. They weren't good. I'm not trying to sell you that Jacksonville State was good, but merely from a talent standpoint, they were a lot more talented than Duquesne. Duquesne is one of these small schools. If you're, if you if you played high school football and then let's say you were not as physically freakish as the guys that play for Florida State or Miami or Georgia or whatever. Obviously, there's a rung of the ladder that all of us fit. If you love the game, you play the game hard, you do the best you can. Maybe you can't play at Alabama or Florida State, but, but maybe you can play at, say, Western Kentucky or East Tennessee State. Um, and then there's a group below that where maybe you can't get to there, so maybe you can play, say, at Lee's McRae or Lenore Ryan or – Schools like that. Perhaps your old dominion, something like that. And then there's another rung below that, Tom. And then there's another rung, and that's Duquesne. Yeah, sacred heart. Look. I mean, you know, that's, come on. That's where we're at. And I'm not doing that to disparage them. No. I'm saying the difference between the talent is massive. So they can name their score, buddy. Yeah, I think. I'm not going to excuse away the Jacksonville State game. Nobody ever could. So I'm, I'm, when I say this, I'm not trying to. But understand that after that game last year, that unforgivable loss, they they did blow out UMass. UMass yeah. Right. And this this team that they're playing today is in the ballpark of UMass, not Jacksonville State. So today, UMass UMass beat Duquesne three years ago decisively, sixty yeah. something to fifteen. Yes. There it is. Enough said. I think so. I'll do a positive prediction and a negative prediction. I think negatively, you might walk away from today feeling a little shaky about the kicking game, uh, especially if we have to line up for one and settle for a 40 yards. Yeah, let's see how they yards. do, right? Let's see how they do. Fitzgerald has a leg. It's a cannon for a leg, too, if he trusts it. I mean, he can hit from 55 plus, mm. but it's about the consistency. So that's one thing I'm concerned about today. The thing I think that you're going to enjoy when they commit to it is the run. I just wonder today if they're going to work on the pass a little bit extra because they know that that needs to be ready to go for next week at LSU. But if they commit to the run for a drive start to finish, you're going to enjoy that. So instead of scores, I'll just predict the facets of the game that you might be concerned about and things you're going to like. And falling back on my point, TCU last year, there ended up being a running clock for that game. It was 45-3. to three. Uh, TCU, Sacred Heart beat Duquesne 34-27. to 27. Uh, Duquesne did just get by Bryant with a late touchdown. So, you got to know where I'm going. Here. And you keep going there. Yeah, yes, I, mean, I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate it. I'm just letting Meanwhile, you know, man. Well, I'll tell you what I'm trying to do behind the curtain. So, this guy keeps changing out here every 10 minutes. Oh, so, you're I'm trying, trying to, to change. I, well, I mean, we've been silhouettes. We've been good. We've been, I mean, well, what a, we are doing It's now a is... shaky sky out there, folks. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's, it's a mixed bag. It is Tallahassee on an August afternoon. And on that note, we'll be signing off, is what we'll be doing here. It'll be time <laughs> to say goodbye. Now, I want to once again let everybody know the roster there it is okay so for all of the home pregame shows this year we'll be right here at hotel indico sponsored by zaxby's it is war chant game day they put on a Thank heck of a so thing much. here too yeah it oh it, yeah hotel indico is awesome and they've been great to us and 
I've talked to a lot of people that are staying here this week and they love this place. So that's exciting. You can be here as well. Make sure you get your reservations going and come on by for the next home game. We'll be up here broadcasting, doing the pregame show. Also, all season long, in-game, we have our lead analyst and Dominic Robinson, former player. Of course, you guys remember Dominic Robinson. He will share his opinions about what's going right, what's going wrong, and evaluate the play and the players as well as the concepts. So he's going to do a great job. You'll be working with him on that. So will Aslan, and I look forward to hearing yeah. uh, that show. You'll hear it today, in fact, uh, once they kick off at 5 o'clock. And then the post-game show, which you and Gene have been doing now for some time. That year is three coming or year up. four, yeah. Yeah, this is co- that's coming up right after the game ends, the post-game show where you have an opportunity to weigh in with your thoughts on how Florida State did or did what they did or didn't do. And certainly they'll take your calls and your questions and all that good stuff. So looking forward to that. And that's for all of the games this year. So you're pretty well set. And, of course, next week we'll be in New Orleans with coverage Looking forward to that as well. Yeah, for those that are watching the pregame show broadcast right now, I'll give you a couple of minutes as we sign off. I'm going to post the link for the watch-along and the postgame show. Just a, a little note, the, the War Chant watch-along and postgame show are at the same link. You don't have to move. So we just transition from one to the other after a short break. The link is now in the chat if you're on YouTube. Bookmark it. And uh, you'll be able to open that sucker in about an hour and five minutes. We'll be waiting for you. Thanks to everybody who came out, all the folks that are here right now. Thanks to Hotel Indigo. Thanks to Zaxby's. Thanks to Garnet and Gold. Thanks yeah. to Barano Heating and Air all Conditioning. Of all contributors. of our chat oh, contributors. My goodness. my goodness gracious. All the people who watched at home. All the people who had comments for us. We appreciate all of it. And one special note of thanks to our own Aslan, who put together the pre- the intro video today. That was not easy to do, and uh, he put it together last night for us. So uh, we really appreciate the hard work. And, uh, buddy, you take the reins for the next two quarters. Well, I'll tell you this. Good times, and it's uh, good to be back watching football again, everybody. Go Knowles. For Tom Lang, I'm Jeff Cameron. Be good, everybody. Go Knowles. We'll be here all year. Peace.